Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy, druids. In cars. Going to festivals. So last year at, I think it was Samhain, I got all the kids together in the Grove, and we shot a a short video called Kids and Fairies. It's up on the the Three Cranes YouTube, um, which is youtube.com slash 3CG videos, um, Three Cranes Grove videos. And... What I did is I sat down and I asked them all questions about fairies. So I asked them, where can you find a fairy? Um, (laughs) How do you catch a fairy? What do you do with something that's not supposed to speak asks you your name? These are important questions (laughs) that kids should know the answer to. (laughs) And they gave us answers. And it's awesome. It's about a minute long. It's well worth watching. Yeah, it's not long and it's both cute and hilarious. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the, the stories that our kids tell us and about the way that we engage our kids when it comes to fairies and the fae. Right. So probably the first thing to mention are the changeling bands. Yes. So before my kids were, were born, I carved up a pair of little wooden statues. They're three inches tall and, a, and an inch wide. And they have a a piece of iron in them because I I don't really know a whole heck of a lot about raising kids. The fact that I'm doing it is is immaterial to that. Um, But I I put these together so that the changelings wouldn't come and and, and replace my children. It's Um, worth noting that my daughter's the only one who doesn't have one of the whole gaggle of them all. This is true, and (laughs) the the question then becomes, if they did steal her, would they keep her, or would they give her back? Yeah, Uh, I don't know. (laughs) And and the... uh, the point of those, though, was to, was to keep those those changelings at bay. So that's why we call them changeling banes, um, is because they're, they're supposed to keep them out. So their whole lives have been sort of wrapped around this idea that fairies are real. And that has had profound effects on the stories that they tell. It has. And uh, once we're done talking about that, I also want to touch on the way that we um, have included that kind of knowledge of fairies are real in our parenting. Absolutely. Um... So if you're if you're a new parent in particular, a useful thing to know is that um, there are ways to keep out changelings or to keep out fairies and keep them from stealing your children. Um, a key one is, of course, to uh, turn their clothes inside out because then the fairies can't figure it out. Um, but a real easy one is if they're in a crib or a bassinet, you just take a pair of uh, men's trousers yes. and toss them over the side of the crib. Yep. 
And for some reason, that keeps changelings at bay. And we spent a lot of time reading the folklore on this, trying to figure it all out, because, frankly... It's important. It is. It is important. <laughs> These stories come to us for a reason, and we want to hold on to them. Um, so, as we've wrapped their lives in this, they've they've come to ask us questions, and we often answer them with those, those kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. So, it was... Uh, a, Last year, we noticed a whole bunch of uh, mushrooms growing down the street. Like, layers and layers of mushrooms under this tree. Um, And I would stop and I would take pictures of them sometimes. And uh, the kids would ask about them and I'd say, well, it's a fairy town. It's a place where the fairies live. It's where they congregate. And then in the winter, when it went away, because mushrooms go away in the winter, right. um, they asked me where it went, and I told them the, the best explanation that I have, um, aside from the fact that it's too cold for mushrooms, which that, I also told them. So the summer fairies went away, and yep. the winter fairies came? Exactly. Yeah. Because of Belton and Samhain, the fairies change their homes. They pack up and they leave, and, they, and new ones come in. Right. Yeah. So. Um, I have a... A friend who is not pagan, she's um, Episcopal, and one of the things that, that they've done at their house is they have this old stump that was from a sugar maple that lived in their yard that they were very attached to, like both in a aesthetic attachment and in a like very emotional kind of relationship with this tree attachment. So when they had it cut down, it was cut off at like... Um, probably about shoulder height to me and they built a fairy house there and it's got you know it's got the little like moss steps leading up to it it has um the whole tree is covered and I think uh night flowers or morning glories it's one of those ones that only blooms a certain time of day um and it's got a little like bark door and everything and one of the things that they did is they have the little like clothespin dolls um, set in that yeah. as part of their fairy house. But they knew the fairy lore partly from hanging out with me and partly because we share mythology yeah. geekiness. Um, but one of the things they did was for Halloween, they packed up their little clothespin doll and let him move. And the funny thing was, and it's happened a couple of times, that other people have put things in their fairy house. We're assuming it's other people, right? Oh, yeah. Like, um, but they they very consciously let the fairies move at Halloween, which I thought was really cool. That's Um, awesome. Yeah, and we have a a fairy, I I call it a fairy ring in our front yard, that despite um, mowing the lawn over and over again and whatever... Um, like treatments my, my dad puts on our lawn It hasn't gone away It's a, a very clear Circle of dark green Like undergrowth Kind of plant And I don't know my plants very well But it's like an exact circle nice. um, And it, it's in our front yard It doesn't go away So <laughs> <laughs> One of the really cool things about our parks district Is that our local parks district Has um, every spring And fall a fairy house building event or six at various parts. Yeah, well, and it's town. normally within two or three weeks of Beltane or Samhain, um, which I think is really, really cool. It is. And the kids really, 
really like to do it. Oh, yeah, they get really into it. Um, and it's a good way for us to teach about, like, don't pull up things that are alive to build your fairy house. Like, it's only recovered materials. Yeah, that, I'm still working on that with my kids. I mean, so am I. But it's a way for us to teach that, which is nice. Um, my daughter right now is really into building fairy traps. Yes. And you would think, man, that sounds really mean. But no, she builds have a heart fairy traps, right? Because <laughs> she she builds these traps all over our house. Sometimes they're out of like milk jugs or cardboard boxes. Sometimes they're out of um, her like connects toys. Yeah. Um, but she builds them as traps, and then once there are fairies in them. She has to take them outside and let them go, or open the window and let them fly through the window. And it's it's very much like she gets a little bit distressed sometimes because I'm like, not right now. We can't do that right now. We've got places to go. She things doesn't to want do. it to starve. And she's like, no, it's time to let the fairies go. And so she has to let the fairies out of these fairy traps that she set all over our house. <laughs> so I don't know if we have a fairy infestation or what's going on, but she's clearly taking care of it in the most humane way possible. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's very good. Um, the interesting thing about that is that the fairy trap thing has spread throughout our grove. <laughs> so... Uh, our senior druid, um, Joe, his daughter, also makes fairy traps. Oh. I found that out interviewing the kids. <laughs> um, as did Joe, apparently. <laughs> and, um, and and so uh, his daughter will also catch fairies and let them go. And she lets them go. Yeah. Well, that's I, good. That's I good. don't know for sure if all of her traps are humane, <laughs> but, you know, it's something to ask yeah. later on down yeah. the line. Um, so, but the kids being kind of immersed in these fairy stories, they get a lot of fairies on TV. Yeah. So they'll get Tinkerbell and yeah, stuff Yeah, like and I that. mean, that informs kind of what they think they look like and stuff. Yeah, but it's not... Because they, they live with us, I don't think that they think all fairies look like that. I mean, I tell my kids very often, um, like, we talk about trolls, because we, we've read The Hobbit and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the trolls, of course, they turn to stone when the sun hits them. All, all right, this kind of right. stuff. And at one point, the kids asked me, you know, why do they turn to stone? And I told them, it's because trolls are made of the mountain. And to the mountain, they return. And I don't know if that's specified in Tolkien, but it's a, a piece of lore that I've picked up. Um, and so my kids now know that trolls are made of mountains. They come out of the mountains. Um, which, you know, if, if you want to watch a television show about that, Hilda on Netflix is Oh, it's excellent. so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's giving them pieces of lore like that that I think really help to, to solidify our traditions as something that is livable and something that is breathing. Yeah, and they know some of those fairy rules in kind of somewhere or another. Yes. Um, one of my favorites was um, one of Joe's kids. Yes. <laughs> so so I, I asked, what do you do if something that isn't supposed to talk asks for your name? And he said... You tell a teacher. You tell a teacher, which is totally the right thing to say, <laughs> the right thing to do, just a little skewed from maybe what I would have said to do myself. Right, but, but the fact that you don't tell... 
ferries your name has been internalized by them. Exactly. Like, they know that's not something... And it's great for Stranger Danger, too. Yeah. Right? But... But strangers can talk, and, and things that can't talk, it, they've internalized it. They've transferred that knowledge yep. that y- you don't do that. And the, the, the best part about that question, because I, I, I formed it in my head in that way, but not a single one of them batted an eyelash and asked, why wouldn't it be, why would something that couldn't talk ask me my name? Right. Or the, anything like it that. It was all, it was total like, oh yeah, that could totally happen. Yeah. Yeah, like they were totally on board with that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that whether we are teaching them useful information or not really depends on what they do with their, their lives when they become adults and, and oh, things yeah. like that. Um, I think it's useful. Yeah. I think it's terribly useful, personally. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't know whether they will when it's they grow up. It's definitely influenced a couple of the things that we've been considering as far as, like, cultural traditions. Yeah. So... Our kids know that you don't invite fairies into the home. Yeah. Like, you don't invite them inside. Um, which may be why my daughter wants to catch them and send them back outside, right? But they all know that you don't invite fairies in. And so, my kids haven't lost any teeth yet. We're, but, we're almost there, too. But we've been thinking about what to do about the tooth fairy. Because we have this knowledge that we don't invite fairies into our house. So what, what we have settled on is that we are getting a, um, a little, like, craft mailbox. And when one of the kids loses a teeth, they will, we will help them write a letter to the tooth fairy. And they will put it in the mailbox. And it will disappear, right? It will be sent to the tooth fairy. Yep. And then the tooth fairy will mail their um, whatever we decide we're doing with it. We'll mail that thing back. Yeah. Um, but that way we can still have the... The exchange of bodily part for cash? Yes. Um, but we can also <laughs> we can also still have... Like, they'll still have that cultural touchstone yeah. of the tooth fairy. Um, but it will be within our spiritual context. Right. Um, which I think is really important for some of those things that, you know, have been... They've been carried over from folklore into culture. Yep. And now we have to reintegrate them from culture into our folklore. Yes. And hopefully make them slightly less creepy than something that sneaks into your house, steals a tooth, <laughs> and gives you money for it. Which is totally a bargain. <laughs> that and I'm not sure you want to be a part of, honestly. Yes. It's, it's a little bit more than the normal stuff we do in ritual with our nature spirits. Right. Well, and I'm not sure if we're going to mail the tooth. Like, it might be writing a letter to the tooth fairy and saying, I have lost a tooth. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that we're going to do the whole mail your body part away because you don't want to give away things that are part of you right. to other creatures because they can do magic with them, right? Yes. So I'm not sure that we're going to do the whole mail the tooth. It might be writing a letter saying... I have lost a tooth. Well, useful piece of knowledge. You're not allowed to send teeth through the mail anyway. <laughs> U.S. mail doesn't allow it. It's human body is that, parts. Is that on the, oh, the, it's covered under body yeah. parts? Or, or human remains, one or the other. That's You're not allowed to send them. Hilarious. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. 
If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.